All right, welcome guys, welcome. Let's let's uh, grab a seat. And we're going to get started. Awesome. How's everyone doing this morning? Woo! Do you guys like this beautiful weather? No. <laughs> All right, my name is Jonathan, um, and I'm one of the teachers here. We and, uh, at Colossae Sherwood teach in team, and so um, we kind of rotate out on a given Sunday, and, and today was my, I drew the, the short straw, so. <laughs> um, but we're going we're gonna to have Suela um, come up and read. Um, she's going to do the reading for, we're going to be in Psalm 13 today. So if you have your Bible, flip open to it, or your app, or if you just want to follow along, that's great. And um, Awesome. Let me just pray for our time. Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you've given us. And we thank you for your word, God. As we read your word and talk about how we respond um, to the scripture, God, I pray that you would just, you would be here, that your Holy Spirit would guide us, God, that you would um, touch each person in this room and that you would meet us where we're at, God. We thank you that we can come to you as we are. And I just pray that you would um, just have your hand on this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day with sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I will trust in your unfailing love. And my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I am at the end of myself. I can't hold on much longer. Are you going to answer? Are you really there, listening? Is it just me alone with my thoughts forever? I didn't feel like you were there, but I really wanted you to be real. I wanted you to give me an answer that would give me hope and somehow make sense of the darkness around me. Even there, your hand, where your right hand will hold me. And even darkness is as light with you. And I remember those words. A soft and simple truth comes to mind. And that small piece of truth and comfort from God is sufficient to sleep and to wake up the next morning with hope. Awesome. Thank you, Swilla. So, um, I want to start today, and I really um, appreciate Suela doing that. I kind of put her on the spot at the last minute and asked her to share, after she read Psalm 13, um, her own interaction with, with the psalm and how um, God had met her in that time. And really, I want to start out today by just kind of asking you guys and kind of open it up to the audience. I know um, we, we like to do this a lot here, but what emotions did you guys feel um, either when Suela read the psalm or she read her response. I'd love for you, um, since some of you guys 
maybe had a feeling that came to mind, um, you raise your hand or blurt it out. Um, did anyone have an emotional response as they, as they heard that psalm? Did anything resonate with you? Maybe there's a word that came to mind. Pain. What? So, what? Maybe if you could elaborate a little bit, like, why did you guys? Why did you feel that way? Pain and despair. Like, maybe you could. Totally. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Pain, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how David starts the psalm in a very emotional... I mean, he, just, he doesn't even wait, waste any time. <laughs> like, you know, he just goes right into it. Um, and so it's, it, I love how it just kind of grabs you from the start. Did anyone else have any feelings that came to mind or thoughts? Or I'd love to hear. Yeah, Lee. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We're tempted to feel that way, though, aren't we, sometimes? Yeah, so, um, man, and if you guys... Uh, if you guys have other responses, you know, raise your hand during the, during the message. I would love to, um, to, to hear that. But really, as we're approaching the Psalms, um, you know, this, this series is titled Giving Voice to Our Souls, Psalms. And, and really, like, our goal is to kind of move in the season to looking at, at the Psalms and, you know, picking a Psalm each week from those, the, um, the cluster of Psalms that, that we're reading through as a church and really to talk about um, not just what information comes through in God's Word, but w- how do we respond to God with our emotions, not just with our minds, not just with our, our reasoning, but how do we emotionally connect with God? How do we um, process this relationship with God and process all these things in life that happen to us, all of the despair and the hurt and the pain and even that feeling of abandonment at times? Um, those things are real, and those are part of the human experience. And as we, as we talk through today, we're, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time in um, breaking down the psalm. It's a really simple psalm, six verses. But really, I want to kind of walk us through maybe how we can start to move beyond just taking in the Scripture as information and actually take it in as an opportunity for a deeper relationship with God, engaging God with our emotions, engaging Him with our hearts. Um, and so really, uh, as we start to, to step through here, um, um, this next slide will kind of illustrate kind of I've broken um, the psalm up into three different sections. And each one, I've kind of captured the main, main emotion that, that comes to light here. So in verses 1 through 2, the primary emotion that kind of comes up is anger. Um, and you can kind of see that because David's expression is his frustration to God about his silence, which I think says a lot to us here. I mean, the fact that David right out of the gate in the psalm just goes, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? Uh, it, it's like he's... He's being very real, very authentic here, and it also authorizes for us this ability to come to God with whatever emotion that we're feeling. And I think we need to kind of move to the point where I think sometimes we think certain emotions are good, certain emotions are bad, but really all emotions are created by God. They're, they're neutral in a sense. Um, we can do bad things with any emotion, even love. We can take love to the point 
where we would hurt other people to protect the ones that we love, and maybe even um, even sin in that. So any emotion is 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 neutral, but um, they're created by God, and we're meant to feel those emotions. And so this ache is revealed as David wrestles with his thoughts and the sorrow in his heart. He even continues, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day I have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? You can, you can hear in David's voice this ache. You know, he is struggling. He's in this dark place. He's in a, a really emotionally vulnerable place. He's in a place where he feels completely abandoned by God. And his response to that is just to, to basically look up to God and say, how long, Lord? And he's kind of calling God out a little bit, but he's expressing anger. He's expressing his frustration about his situation. Next, in the next section, we kind of see the primary emotion here in verses 3 through 4 is fear. So he does start to look to God. He actually says, look on me and answer. He's calling God to intervene in, in a situation. So he moves from frustration to actually calling God to intervene. And his call even acknowledges that without God's help, he's going to be forever overcome by his enemies. And I love that line, and, when, and Suela paused on it when she read it, Consuela did. And um, it says, look on me in verse 3 and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. I mean, David's here is, is, is saying, hey, God, if you don't intervene in the situation, I'm going to die. Uh, if you don't in, come in and step into the situation, death is going gonna, is gonna to happen. And um, he's acknowledging there's still in this a fear, right? Um, and my enemy will say I've overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So you can tell he's, he's starting to move toward um, asking God to intervene, asking for God's help. But he's, there's still an element of fear there. He's, he's a, you can sense that when he's like, hey, if, God, if you don't intervene in this, if you don't help, I'm toast. I'm, I'm done. And so there is this starting to acknowledge, you know, um, that, um, yes, I'm calling on God to help, but with, if he doesn't intervene, and from those first two verses, it's really clear for David, God seems absent. He seems silent in my struggle. And... Um, if that doesn't, if that continues, I'm 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 done. And then in verse five, it's really interesting. We kind of marks this turning point in the psalm, and um, the primary emotion here that, that I captured is joy. Um, and I want to talk about this because it's really interesting um, when you read it and you realize what's missing from this this section. Um, and I'll talk about that in the next sec- the next um, section of the teaching. But he says here, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. It's interesting, he closes the psalm with this really worshipful, joyful, triumphant kind of tone, and he's saying, I'm trusting in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And what we see here, and we transition to the next slide, um, it'll kind of illustrate this. The psalm demonstrates for us a movement of emotions. And I really want to call attention to that before we dive into his response in verses 5 and 6, because... Sometimes we, um, we like things to be nice and organized and neat and tidy. If you're like me, I'm a type A person. So I've, I've been fighting recently my desire to control things, to control people, situations, control God for certain outcomes in my life. And it's honestly something I've been really like working on. Um, and it's hard, right? Because I like, I like everything to be nice and neat. I like things to be organized in a certain way. But you know what? Walking with God, um, walking in this broken world, and also just having children <laughs> in general, um, 
you guys know, like, it ensures that that will never happen. Yeah, um, to some degree, I can control some things. Like, my desk at, at, at work is my, like, happy place because my, my kids never get there. But you know what? I, I love the mess. I love, there's so much beauty in there, right? But at the same time, we want to respond to God in a way. We want to have him meet us in that. We, we, and we almost expect this nice, neat um, conclusion to the psalm. But the thing that's missing here is um, there's no solution, right? David doesn't have his problems taken away at all. Yeah, so that. For me, the psalm like ended not as much in joy, but more like hope. Mm, like yeah. thinking that the joy will come later, but mm-hmm. it's enough to say, but I can look back and I know that I still have a place in God and I can mm. enjoy it now. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Actually, hope is the word that kind of... Um, I had in my notes here, the process of expressing his emotion and remembering God's goodness freed David to experience hope again. Like you said, um, Consuelo, that's really brilliant. And that's, that's exactly what happens, is that, that David um, doesn't have, he doesn't even acknowledge that God necessarily um, is here. He doesn't necessarily feel God's presence. You kind of, he hints at the fact that like he's remembering back to God's goodness. He knows that God's good, I'm trusting. But that choosing to, to trust God is kind of a leap, right? Um, because this, his, the situation hasn't changed. His enemy is still there. We don't see any resolution to the problem that he came to God with. We don't see any kind of like, hey, it's all better now. And I think this, this is really salient for us because um, the next slide um, illustrates this. Moving through our emotions is more important than having our problems be solved. And this slide is really hard for me to stomach because I really want my problems to be solved. I really want to figure things out. I want to mend every relationship, every relational brokenness that I have with people that I love. I want everything with my kids to be perfect. I want them to love God and never fail or never make mistakes. I want myself uh, to do that. But it's also good to acknowledge that some problems in life that we experience, will never res- they can never be resolved, right? When, when you lose someone, um, when you experience death, um, God can comfort you. His presence can be with you. But the thing that you're really longing for, that relationship with that person, that, that's never going to be solved in this life. There's certain problems that we encounter that are never going to be fixed. And, um, and that's hard for me because I want problems to be fixed. I want to solve problems. But re- the reality is, um, I think God's demonstrating to us in this psalm and inviting us into this, this fact that solving our problems isn't the goal. Moving through our emotions. David does something in the psalm that's really um, important, which is that he's expressing his emotions. He's feeling anger and frustration. He vents that. He kind of moves through that to fear, and then he moves to hope or joy. There is a joyfulness, and I think that joy is different than happiness. David's not happy at the end of the psalm, but joy is that, that sense of God's presence in the midst of his pain. And I think that's what we need to get to, is to get to realize, you know what? Like, life is going to be broken. There's brokenness in life, but it's more important to move through our emotions to move and actually experience sharing those things, getting freed up. And a lot of times we in the West, in our Western culture, and especially in the American context, we love to be, to, to solve our own problems. We love to be these great, in, um, we value individualism over community in a lot of ways. And I think that sometimes is a barrier for us because we don't, we're not comfortable expressing our emotions. We're not, we don't have practice with it. And even, even if we are comfortable, we don't know how to do it because we haven't been, been raised that way and trained that way. And, and some of us have, 
But um, by and large, I, I, I think it's difficult for us sometimes to actually come to God and be honest about what's going on in our heart and our soul and work through that with God. And so the thing that comes to me that's really clear out of this psalm is just this, this idea that it's very important to move through emotions. It's very important to just express them, number one, to feel those emotions so that you can move to the next phase. You can actually work, begin to work on that. And so um, as we kind of transition, the next thing I want to talk about is how um, the experiences that we have as human beings, they work through emotions, belief, and values to form our character. So I kind of started to think through, okay, we've, we've, we've looked at the psalm. I want to look through how experiences that we face in life work over time to build character. And so this next slide illustrates, um, and I was, I was kind of mapping it out, um, thinking about um, life and how, how we process emotions, how that leads to personality. Um, I really kind of came up with this, this idea. and um, Essentially, we start with experiences. And think of that as like stimuli that form memories, even from the youngest age, right? Um, I, the example I thought of was a kid um, going up to, to, to a stove, right, a hot stove, and touching the stove, right? That kid had some experience, a stimuli, touching the stove. The stove was hot. That formed a memory, and the response to that was probably several emotions. Number one, fear or anger. And, you know, think about the same thing if you're, you're um, probably Eddie for you doing wood uh, working. I, I went up and hung out with Eddie the other day. We were doing some blacksmithing, and... and um, you know, hitting your hand with a hammer or something, or just, or like dropping a tool on your foot, or all those kind of things that are incredibly painful. There's a lot of them. I've found for myself a lot of emotions that come up. Um, sometimes anger is one of them. And I want to, I want to blame other people, like, oh, you left this thing in the way, and I stubbed my toe on it. And it's like, why do we do that? And really, because as humans, we experience these, these emotions in response to our experiences. Um, the funny thing is, I actually read this study. Um, like this psychology study that, that proved that um, when you swear um, after hitting your, your head with a hammer or experiencing pain, it actually um, reduces the amount of pain that your body feels um, because of the way your pain, pain receptors in your brain works. It actually increases uh, endorphin. And they actually did this study to the, to the specificity to show that like, the, the more intense, stronger the swear word was, the more pain relief you actually experience. And I was like, I'm not, no, I'm not advocating that. But the funny thing is... It just demonstrates for us how emotions are response to situations. God even programmed and built some of that into us that our brains kind of know when we respond with certain emotions, like anger or whatever, it actually, those natural responses to our experiences that we have um, can help prove to be helpful <laughs> in some, some degree. Now, I, obviously, if you develop a habit of swearing all the time, um, that could be not helpful um, to you as a person. But what's interesting is so... And I kind of drew these, these kind of cyclical areas because, you know, we also start to form beliefs from our emotional responses. So, for instance, like, imagine a kid touching the stove, the hot stove, right? Maybe he touches it once. Okay. Maybe he touches it. And they're, knowing how kids work, they're going to probably touch it a second time. Maybe the second or third time, they start to form this belief, right, which is the stove is hot. Now, is the stove always hot? Well, hopefully it's not always hot in your house. Otherwise, you'd probably, your home would burn down. <laughs> Or you'd have a bunch of accidents. So, but it's interesting how we will form beliefs because of those emotional responses, those experiences that we have. And those beliefs can be distorted, right? We can already see as a young kid how a kid could have a, a certain belief that forms about something because of an experience that happened repeatedly maybe. And that belief could be totally distorted, right? 
Um, the stove isn't always hot. The stove is sometimes hot, but they, don't have a, they haven't had enough experience in life to distinguish that. And again, this is just a simplistic example, but we do this with a lot of different things. We form beliefs, and it's, we basically develop these beliefs as a way to make sense of all the, all the chaos and the emotions in this, in this life, right? Life is confusing. Life is complex and chaotic. And forming belief systems as humans is something that we've developed as a way to make sense of the world. Right? It's how we make sense of the emotional landscape. It's how we make sense of life. And it's how we organize things. And over time, as, as emotions and beliefs you know, cycle, we will eventually, that will start to create values, things that we value over other things. And then over time, values will cluster together to form character. A great example of this is the movie Inside Out by, by Pixar. actually brilliantly demonstrates this. By the way that it, and I would encourage you to see it, watch it with your kids um, when, they're, when you uh, deem that they're, they're old enough. But I, it's really important because it demonstrates for us how emotions form how emotions start to attach to those memories. And then over time, you know, it's interesting, the, the beliefs and values that Riley has, she, she's the main character in the movie, form these various islands that make up her personality. So there's family land, there's goofball island, and there's, you know, all these different aspects of her personality. And that's really what builds our character, our personality, is just over time, um, these experiences and emotions lead to beliefs and values and eventually form our character. Now, why do, I talk, why do I talk about all that? Well, it's important to understand a little bit of how we are made up as people because as, we've, as I kind of demonstrated with the simplistic example of a kid, we, we, all of this is, is true, right? We, we form beliefs and values in order to make sense of this world. But because we live in a broken world, because horrible experiences can happen and emotions happen in response to that, and beliefs and values form from those things, that's a good thing, but it's also prone to distortion, right? It's prone toward us distorting emotions, us distorting the reality, um, us distorting um, maybe taking bad experiences, allowing them to have too much of a sway over, over who we are as a person. Maybe we believe for years because of abuse that happened to us that we are worthless people or that maybe because our our parents weren't involved in our life in the way that we would have wanted to, there's, there's deficit that we have as, as human beings. I mean, this is something we all face in this life. And sometimes those things, we, without even realizing it, those are under the surface keeping us from actually allowing God into that process. And really, as human beings, um, if we're just cycling through these things in our character, we, as Christians, desire God to have an involvement in this process. And we need him involved in this process of forming who we are as people. Um, Because on our own, we're prone to distortion, we're prone to character flaws that come from maybe things that happened to us, maybe things that we did. And God wants to free us from that. And the only way into that is by letting him into that. The only way to allow movement is to invite God into this process of allowing God to shape who we are. And I think it's helpful to identify some of those different pieces so we can start to feel out, like, wow, why is it that I'm struggling with certain things, you know? Um, you know, I was, um, I was abused uh, by another boy at a, at a really young age. And even as I became a parent and as, as my boys started to grow up, I realized, man, like, when they started to get close to the age that I, when I was abused, like, 
I, did, I couldn't even explain why, but I, I started just struggling with emotions. I started struggling with my emotions for my son. I started struggling with relating and, and realizing, wow, like there was things that I never even realized that had, had just lodged down in there um, because of something that happened to me. And the only way that I've been able to work through that is by talking about it, by opening up, by allowing God to step into that process. And I believe that the Psalms provide a, a beautiful way for us to, to do that. Um, and so, um, and I also want to say in this process too, I also demonstrate this to show us that we're not just rational beings, right? We're not just people that process information in a rational way, but we process things emotionally as well. We all do. And we all have experiences that make us angry, right? You're driving on the road and someone cuts you off. That feeling of justice of like, man, that guy just, uh, you know, and we get angry, right? And where does that come from? It comes because we're emotional beings. We're not just rational beings. We can't, we don't always make sense of the world in a very rational way. And that's also why um, in the church, sometimes we, um, we, we rely on information as a way to disciple people, which is helpful. We need the right information about God, and God's word gives us truth to, to lodge into, but it's no one commits adultery or um, gets addicted to alcohol or drugs or pornography or any of the things um, that we can stumble into as, as human beings. No one experiences or wanders into those things because of they've rationally decided this is the best path for their life. They, they stumble into it because it's something that they love, because they're emotionally attached to it, because maybe something is broken inside them that they need God to step into. And the, again, the problem isn't just a rational problem. The problem is engaging God with what's in our heart, allowing him to shape and form who we are as people. And so, because of that, um, as uh, this next slide will talk about, the, sometimes the future or our problem, you could insert anything into that, the future or our problem or um, ourselves, we, it, the future can't be figured out, it needs to be felt out. So, and again... Because we're rational people, we like to make sense of the world through, hey, if I just have the right information, if I just do enough Bible study, um, everything's going to be figured out. But we actually need more than that. We need to engage God with, with where we're at. We need to engage God with the fullness of what it means to be human, and, and that involves engaging God with our emotions. So um, the next, I want to transition and talk a little bit about practice. Um, uh, so if you could move to the next slide. Yeah, personalizing the Psalms is a practice that can help us find our place in God's story. And I asked Suela to read the Psalm um, and kind of internalize it when she read it. She actually went even further than that. She did extra credit. So <laughs> uh, congratulations, Consuela. You get the gold star for the day. Um, but really what she did is she actually took it beyond just reading the Psalm and internalizing those emotions. She actually wrote her own Psalm sort of as a response to what, what God was doing in her own heart. And really, I, I asked her, even this morning, she wasn't planning on it, but I asked her to read her response because I wanted us to see an example. Um, I had, I've done the same thing, and I'll read mine in a little bit. Um, I actually did that before I even prepped the uh, teaching. It was like the first thing after reading the psalm that I did. And what I want to put before us is this practice of um, really helping us identify um, our place or find our place in God's story. So scripture, we can look at, at the Bible and scripture in many different ways, right? Some, some streams of Christianity will look at, at God's word as, you know, what, what the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth, right? Like it's just a set of instructions for us to live. 
set of rules, or maybe it's, um, it's doctrine to help us form how we live. And some of those things, some of those aspects are certainly true, but primarily God's word is a story. It's a story of God creating the earth, creating us, inviting us into that story. And, and, and um, as God's story progresses, we see that we have a part in that story, that God invites us into that story and that story of redemption that he's painting throughout the biblical history and even into modern times in our own history and our own lives, that the, the Bible is a story. And really, um, this practice of personalizing a psalm is something that can help us identify our place in God's story. So it's not just... You know, so many times, it's funny, when I, even when I started reading through, Rick was like, hey, I'd like you to, to teach out of one of the first Psalms 1 through 15. I started reading through them. And so many of them I read, and it's just like, okay, you know, in the Lord I take refuge, and David's having, you know, it's just like, it's so easy for me to just start reading it, and I kind of like, oh, David's writing about this, and David's writing about that. And I actually didn't engage it with my own heart. And I realized, you know, God wants us to actually engage um, his word in our own stories, in our own life, for us to feel authorized to actually write our own songs, write our own experience that we're having with God. And whatever form that, that takes, I don't, it doesn't matter. But the form that I wanted to just uh, present to you as a practice that you, you can, more as like a tool that's available to us, is just personalizing the psalm. And really what that amounts to is um, just... It's helpful sometimes to have a place to start instead of just going, you know, write, write your own psalm from scratch. Actually, just find a psalm in Scripture and read it. Get underneath the words and what's happening and think about what the situation and what's going on and find yourself in that. Either maybe you're, you're resonating with it, maybe it's, it's actually, like, pushing against you and you feel the opposite way as David does. David's triumphant and victorious. You don't feel victorious. Either way, finding yourself in God's story and then writing about it in your own words, giving your own voice to it, is a way that we can start to express um, how we feel to God, invite God into that, and allow him um, to work. And what I want to also hold before us today, and to keep in mind, and I, I realized this as I was prepping this week, was like, when David was writing these songs, he wasn't sitting there going, oh, I'm writing scripture today. You know, I'm writing the Bible. <laughs> and, and, you know, he was just having an encounter with God that just so happened that that encounter with God became canonized in Scripture. And so um, we, we are authorized to have, we have license to have that same encounter with God. Uh, and I think sometimes um, maybe we don't feel authorized to go, oh, I can take a psalm and personalize it. Isn't that like messing with the authority of Scripture? No. Actually, it's, it's doing something really helpful and, and it's engaging God with, um, with where we're at. Um, it's finding our own emotions and expressing them. And again, it doesn't have to be a poetic form or verse form. It could be a journal entry. It could be written on your phone. It could be something you pray to God. It could be a song that you write. It, it could take any form. The important thing is just getting it out there, talking to God about how you're feeling. Um, even as we started this, this message, you know, those feelings that were identified of pain or despair, those, those are powerful emotions. And God really wants to meet us in this place. He wants to meet us where we're at. Maybe your, your feeling today is absolute peace in God's presence. Sometimes I feel that, that peace in God's presence. That's just so beautiful. And it's so beautiful that we even can express it in words sometimes. We just need to sit with the Holy Spirit and, and um, soak in all that God is. And so today, um, I'm going to walk through, and these next few slides are going to be, I'm just going to read 
um, my psalm and, per, and show you how I personalized it. But, and then we'll have a little bit of time, a quiet time to respond afterwards. And I want you guys to start engaging that in some form. Um, I want to invite us all into that. So if you could just follow along, I'll, I'll read through and we'll just we'll kind of cycle through these slides. Do you still remember me down here? Do you feel the ache of living in this world day after day, year after year? Why do you seem absent from all my human struggles? I don't hear your voice like I used to. I am lonely. My thoughts are a confusing cocktail. Harsh voices sound out. You don't measure up. Why can't you be better? You won't amount to anything. There is a war within, and I feel like my enemy is winning. I am often my own worst enemy. Answer me, Jesus. Why won't you respond? Don't you care? If you don't cut through the darkness and light my path, I won't be able to escape. I will be led to shame, exposed for who I really am without you. I have nothing if I don't have you. I'm still sitting alone in the dark, but I will choose to trust you. I, can't, I clearly can't see the way. That is why I will choose to trust. I don't have what it takes, but you do. Your love is enough. It is all I need. You tell me quietly, almost in a whisper, you are enough. You are loved. You are never alone. My heart explodes in worship. Arrayed in white and fierce fire, here is my king. So this was, you know, something personal for me. It's just getting to that place where I could acknowledge, you know, I have nothing if I don't have you. I'm still alone. I'm still in the dark. But I will choose to trust you. Like David as I read the psalm, it actually encouraged me with my own emotional response to God to actually kind of make that, that jump, that shift to go, hey, I still feel like things are confusing and dark sometimes, but I'm going to choose to trust you anyway. So what I'd like to do is, um, is just take a few minutes, take five or seven minutes, and um, I'd really like to invite us into a time of, of response. And what I'd like you to do, and I don't want to put a lot of constraints on this because everyone's going to encounter God differently. Um, Peter's going to come up and kind of jam in the background a little bit with some, um, some tunes. But I really, what I really would love is for each of you to kind of process where you're at with God today. If you want to journal, that's great. If you want to write on your phone, write a note. If you want to just pray, um, that's awesome too. Um, and then Peter will transition and pray for the communion elements. We'll kind of transfer to a time of response afterwards. But I really would love today for us each to um, for us each to talk to God about where we're at. Talk to God about, about what we're feeling, what's going on in our lives lately, what things are hurtful and stressful and hard. Maybe the things that we feel like we can't share with anyone. And maybe it's, they're too tender to even begin to share with anyone yet. The first step is to, to take those to God, to talk to him, to process that with him. And then what I love as a homework assignment is for you to share it with someone else this week. And don't feel intimidated by this because um, just share it with someone that's close to you, someone you trust, someone that you feel safe opening up and sharing. Maybe it's really vulnerable for you. Maybe you're not used to sharing your emotions, sharing what God, what's going on inside. And that's okay. But find someone close to you. Find someone, it could be your spouse, it could be a, a close friend or family member. Um, but I just encourage you guys that healing happens when we 
take these things that God is doing in our lives, we share them with each other, and we pray through them together. Um, and feel free to do that in, in community as well, but um, I would really challenge you guys this week to, to come away from today and maybe spend some time with it and share it with somebody else. Um, and if you've never let someone else in, it's a good time to let someone else in, and, and um, that's how we are the body for each other. That's how we can actually help each other is by being there for each other. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll just take some, some time to be still before the Lord and to listen to his voice and to talk to him about what's going on in our, in our lives. Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much that you invite us not just to, to learn about who you are. We love learning theology. We love learning about who you are because it really just sets our hearts on fire when we see how beautiful and how amazing you are. But sometimes the things that we don't do is actually talk about how, how we're really feeling, God, and how life is and, and the struggles that we go through that we all face. And I just ask today, God, for people in this room that are feeling afraid or feeling like they've just been stuck for so long, maybe it's a sin that's besetting them that's just they can't get through, God. Maybe it's just emotions that they feel like they're going to be angry Ever. They're never going to be able to forgive that person. They're never going to be able to love that person again. They're never going to be able to, to be free like they really want to be free. I ask that your Holy Spirit would come, Jesus. I ask that you would come in the midst of all of our lives, in the midst of all the messiness and all the confusion, that you would come into that process, God, that you would just be here, that your Holy Spirit, your presence would be here, God, and that you would heal us, God that you would minister, that you would set our hearts on fire. God, that you would just shape us and form us, form our character, God, to be the people um, that can love and respond to you, God. Just, we invite you in today. Ask that in, in all of this, God, that you would just, you would be in our midst. We love you.